You are listening to Branching Out. It is Monday, June 8th. I am your host, Ian Bradley, joined as always by Kyle Jory. This week, we're talking protests. Let's get into it. Yes, what a week it has been, not only across the country, across California, and right here in the areas the acorn covers. Just a week's worth of protest, demonstration in the streets as the Black Lives Matter movement really sweeps the country. I mean, we are seeing it in places like Wyoming, uh, Texas, places you've never seen before. I think all 50 states now, uh, which is just unbelievable to think about when we think about where we were at four years ago and see now the way the movement just seems much, much larger. So all this week, we've had Acorn reporters and photographers covering these demonstrations, whether they're in Camarillo, Simi Valley on Saturday, Thousand Oaks, really where I think it started um, today in Ventura. I mean, really every city in Ventura County. Uh, and Ian, you were out there covering a really unique march that went from Westlake and Thousand Oaks Boulevard all the way to Thousand Oaks City Hall. And I think what we're going to do is is give our listeners a chance to, and this was your idea, credit to you, hear from some of these protesters, hear from the demonstrators themselves uh, that will give us a better idea of why they were there, what they're asking for, and, and what this movement means to them. Not being a local, like, what's, yeah. the, what's your take on all this? Um, honestly, none of us are local, so it's like, uh, we were saying earlier, we were very proud just because it's... Obviously, Westlake, there's not a lot of black people in Westlake. We were saying it was pretty, it was special just because, like, I mean, I mean, I think I've, every other black person here have probably spoken to just, like, it's special seeing a lot of people, like, line up and, and yeah. voice how they feel. It's raising awareness around the world, just not, like, to our local officials and stuff. Right. It's about getting, seeing that everywhere around the world, even in a place called, uh, named Calabasas, that we see the effects everywhere that is coming here, too. Right. So... People who are African American are protesting hard for things for the people of their community. The black people, how many few they are, are protesting, uh-huh. and so it's it's very empowering. And so to see to make people see that it's not just a problem that black people aren't, aren't just seeing the problem; everyone's seeing the problem. Well, the issue is not just the police, the issue is the systematic racism across this nation. And there is systematic racism in every town, including Calabasas, in every um, corner of this world, really. So we're here protesting the community that we know, um, that we love, that um, we invested in and paid taxes in, right? And we're, we're marching with our brothers and sisters because we know in their hearts that they love us and we love them. Like, you notice that the news doesn't cover all that it's happening. You have to go to social media, because social media is bringing awareness to it. You see the videos, and it's not just, you know, the media not just covering it. It's people, you know, saying, oh, well, it's not all cops. No, it is all cops, because the cops are consenting to be in an unjust system 
where the laws are corrupt and they're settling for this and you you know you may not see in the media that people are being discriminatory because of people's race but then you see it in videos that get spread worldwide right. and then it goes viral and then suddenly it's a problem then right. people are mad about it cuz now they're just now hearing about it right. well Hala Blacklist is a nickname for the high school because there's not a lot of diversity there um, i think that it it falls upon our uh, caucasian uh, peers to make sure that black kids are protected within the school and that we're not having bystander non-intervention. When something happens, someone needs to say something and stand up for your fellow students. I was at the school for a period of time. Um, me and a lot of other students there experienced racism from the school. Um, I left because of it. Is there any changes you'd want to see on like a local level, like in school, maybe classes or, or something like that? I'd or? like white boys to stop saying the N-word. That's, that's where we're at right now. That's, what, that's actually what we're talking about, implicit bias. Those types of things that take place, that took place over time. A lot of people don't know that they were because of the system that they grew up under. And so they want to change. And that's the people that you see that's attempting to change. So when you say Black Lives Matter, that's not like you mean Black Lives Matter to the point that I want to hurt a white person. Because all white person, all white people aren't. It's just that that's the cultural home that the bias came out of. So that they saying that they, they, they love you. My life matters as much as yours. And I would like you to help me if you love me. I, I got to say, like, so I covered the one that marched from the promenade to Thousand Oaks City Hall uh, uh, last Tuesday. And then the next day I did one in Calabasas that went from the Trader Joe's to City Hall, back to the Trader Joe's, and then down to Mulholland and uh, Valley Circle Drive. Both were really, it was, first off, it was really cool to see it and to be a part of it at, in, in a journalistic capacity because, I don't know, it was just, it, it was, I was, I was making a point of asking people who were out there, like, first off, these are really white cities. It's one thing to recognize that you have a problem, but when you don't have a, a significant portion of your own of the population in your community who can tell you how to solve that problem like how do you go about addressing it and then also asking them like what changes do you want to see made that was one of the big questions I was asking everybody is like when you get to City Hall are you wanting to talk to the mayor or anything and they're like no we just want to raise awareness as you heard and I thought that was I just thought that was awesome well someone who I mean we've, we've talked about it before I mean you grew up here in the Caneo Valley yeah I mean can you ever imagine when you were at a senior at Westlake High School this kind of um, this, this thing happening here you know this kind of no not I mean I'm trying to remember I'll, I'll I'll admit when I was in high school I wasn't and the years after that I wasn't super checked into the com community I was you know um, and then I was gone for a while so I can't really recall anything like this happening before but I mean Nate, I think that statement rings true across the country, yeah. considering where we're at right now. Yeah. Yeah, regardless of how you feel about the movement, you just can't doubt, deny the size of what we're seeing. We've seen protests before, maybe a day, maybe two days, a week's worth, you know. Um, that really speaks to the commitment some of these demonstrators have. It might also speak to some of the free time they have uh, with everything going on. But if anything, you have to respect their commitment to it and showing up day in and day out, weekdays, weekend, uh, yeah. you know. And so I, yeah. I think the, I think now the question becomes, where do we go from here? And I, and now the conversation is moving into what 
changes, what tangible changes people want to see. And I think that's really good. That's where we've got to go is uh, so now you've got the country's attention. How do we start to solve some of this problem that those demonstrators we heard from mentioned, you know? Yeah. And that was one thing at the Calabasas uh, protest. I, I ran into uh, Las Virgenes Unified School District Superintendent Dan Stepanowski. And I was asking him, like, is this is all that's going on? Is this sparking conversations on a district level? Are you discussing ways to implement um, greater community education in your classrooms? And he was saying, like, yeah, they're talking about doing something in freshman seminar, which is a class all high school students have to take in Las Virgenes Unified to graduate and just doing something about um, uh, like being like looking outward at the community and like not being basically just addressing all this stuff. And I realize that might seem like kind of a bandaid to some people of like, Oh, you're just incorporating it into a class that already exists, which already has curriculum that needs to be addressed versus creating a whole new class, stuff like that. But it's like, can't reach for the stars when your ass is still stuck in the mud. Kind of thing. Like it's, it's something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, and I think the conversations interestingly enough about, you know, law enforcement, I saw over the weekend, the Ventura County Sheriff's office decided to make its manual. It's make it public. People have been asking to see it, what our officers, what they train on. So we're already seeing some of that happen. Now that's obviously just a very minor step. When we talk about some of the goals, I think the demonstrators are talking about, um, but let's be honest. These are, uncomfortable conversations for some people in, in this area to have. And it's just interesting to see this being forced into the forefront and forcing people to confront it. And some of the discussions we're having, I haven't seen happen ever before in my time here. And I've obviously been with the acorn a lot longer, but so I, I really see there being already um, an impact of this movement. It, yeah. And it was actually, I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus with this one, but like, Scanning through Twitter, I saw that uh, Ventura County put out that thing of measuring six feet distance, and they used skis for the white people, or for the English poster, and then they used vegetable crates for the Spanish language poster, and it was immediately called out. And it was like, that's 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 kind of exactly the thing that we're talking about here. Like, that's what needs to be changed. Well, did you hear that? Have you heard the explanation yet on that? Um... I think I saw it on Twitter, but I don't know. Okay, so I just since you brought that up, the deal there, so what the county is saying in their defense, I just want to be clear, because that, that was really the focus yesterday. I was hearing that coming up a lot, was they had created the sign with the skis, they had created originally for wide distribution, and that sign was, was posted in English, made available in English and Spanish. And the sign that we saw side by side, and that's what we, where it looks so bad, is this all started with someone had posted the sign with the skis and the people in business attire saying stay six feet apart in English. And then right next to it, they had a, a different version that showed faceless individuals and boxes of produce, produce in between them in Spanish language. And the assumption was, okay, you printed out skis and people in business attire for the English speakers, and you printed, you know, boxes of produce for the for the Spanish speakers. But the, the reality is they printed both of those, both in English and, and Spanish. And the, 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 yeah, the version, easy, the version you saw uh, was printed also in English, but it was printed specifically for farm workers that we have obviously a huge, uh, agriculture is a huge part of our business here. So they specifically gave that out to be handed out at farms. And that is also in English and, and Spanish. And they, but whatever, for whatever reason, they got the larger community got them and began to post them side by side with the English version and juxtaposed, it looked really bad. 
Now, granted, now, granted, there's still, yeah, now, granted, so the county's come out and issued an apology, and they've said, you know, they didn't mean anything badly by it, and there's still the argument to say, well, why this, the, the farm workers were faceless individuals versus what we saw on the, on the one with the skis. And I think the biggest thing is, why skis? I've never been skiing in my life, yeah. That's... Really? You haven't? Yeah. No. I see, now, I, I've actually have been skiing, but again, most people are pointing out, why would you go with skis when even, you know, white people and English speakers don't ski? Well, just considering how close, like, go with a surfboard, right? Like, we're, we're a coastal... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> adjacent community. Yeah, that would have made more sense. But, you know, it sounds like the original anger was maybe a little bit, you know, this was a little bit taken out of context. When I'm talking to people that know the whole story, they're a little less mad. Um, but again, these are things that are all under a microscope now, and, and we're having these discussions. Really fascinated to see, I hope we can touch on real quickly, Mike Judge out in Simi Valley. Uh, he's caught uh, a lot of flack this week for sharing something on Facebook. Uh, the, the, he had shared a post that what, said, I didn't see this. What was this? So what, what it was, someone had posted that saying that we need to, to get rid of the rioters and the looters, we should hook up all of these hoses into our campers and shoot them oh. basically with human waste. Yeah, and, yeah I, did, and, I did see that. And Mike Judge, a, a city council member from Simi Valley, he shared that with comment on Facebook saying basically, ha-ha, and this would solve the problem with the masks, too, the masks that they have to wear. So, obviously, people are up in arms about that. Uh, Mike's being – there's calls on, on, on Mr. Judge to resign. From what I know about uh, Mike, that's unlikely to happen, but uh, it's going to be a very interesting Tuesday night at the Simi Valley City Council meeting because this will be the first meeting since this has all happened. And at yesterday's protest in Simi Valley – and by the way, if you haven't seen the coverage by Sylvie Belmond – and by Mike Coons, I mean, they just, I mean, they did just a terrific job. I mean, Ian, I mean, you were at, how many people would you say were at? And that was a good group. I mean, it was 300, 400. What are you hearing? I mean. The the Calabasas one was, was yeah, probably like 300 people. The TO one was a little bit smaller, I think. And the numbers yesterday in Simu Valley, 2,000 people. I mean, it yeah. was just, just huge. So, um, and I think because Simi Valley has that national name recognition and the, and the, the, the Rodney King connection, I think that kind of helped boost it. But the Sylvia and Mike just did a great job of, of capturing what had been a demonstration that a lot of people were, were nervous about. There were rumors. Somebody texted me, I'm not kidding, that said Antifa was holding up in a hotel at Simi Valley the night before. I mean, rumors were running wild. And to the credit of the demonstrators, you know, not a single arrest. Uh, as far as I know, I think there was one minor you know, uh, incident that happened, but nothing at all to speak of where people are talking about looting and rioting and all that, you know, 2000 people got together, had a demonstration and pretty much got out of there. Um, and I think that speaks to the, what we're seeing here locally. And that was the discussion we were having last week of how we separate the crime we were seeing in some of these big cities that were the demonstrations and what we're seeing here, which is just completely opposite to that. Yeah. Well, I know, I know the CB one was getting a lot of, um, I don't know if hype is the right word beforehand because it is sort of this uh, Republican island in this otherwise very liberal region of, of the state. Uh, I mean, Orange County aside, but um, I know I was, I was, I was checking Twitter pretty regularly. I, I love that one Sylvie got where she's on her bike and she's just riding the curb and it's just an endless wall of people. It's like a 30 second video and she's just going. Yeah. And I mean, it caught, I think because it just captured in a way, no other, unless you were overhead, just how many people were there. And yeah, in Simi Valley, it had, I think that much more meaning to people. 
Um, so we'll see where we go from here. Uh, but I'm glad that, you know, I think I will credit to you and, and all the reporters that went out there and the photographers, because really we just wanted to give, put the voice back on, we talked to law enforcement all the time. We talked to the mayor, we talked to the sheriffs. I mean, that, that's a probably a fair criticism. I and mean, that is our go-to um, in so many stories. But you guys really got boots on the ground and got to hear from some of these demonstrators and really share their message and agree with it or not. I'm glad it, it got out there. And as you heard some of what they had to say today, that kind of leads into the next thing I wanted to talk about, because I've been having to explain to my family, um, like I, we can't, we can't protest as we're supposed to be objective. You can't put your opinion into the reporting. And if, if I'm out at any protest and I get recognized for it, anything I write from then on, it will be seen through the lens of, I am a I am in favor of that cause. Which is not to say that I'm not in favor of some causes or I am in favor of others. It just means that it, it, it attaches a weight to my byline that can detract from the impact of my reporting. And I know you, you, you were saying the same thing, too. It's like we hand it in a card. Like we're here as reporters. We're not here as Yeah, there's, there's times that come up in my, in my life where I see a cause that I, I believe very strongly in that I want to be there. But I know that, again, as a, as a journalist, and, and I'm not a reporter now, I'm more of an editor, but I also write, but as a journalist, you know, I just can't get involved in that. And there's, there's and that comes up with a lot of times the opinions I want to share, but that's a sacrifice we make when we decide to be, to be reporters. And we cannot, you know, we cannot be activists. And sometimes we have to remind people of that. And I know it's frustrating for some that we say, hey, it's not that we don't support your cause, we might, we might. But we have to, in our in how we present it, we've got to be disinterested in a way. We've got to be removed from it. And I thought you and it and sometimes it is a tight rope that we walk um, because again we wanted to share those voices. We wanted to boost up what these people had to say, uh, and then people could interpret that as, oh, this you support the cause. But no, we're just this is a movement right now, and we're and it's obviously huge. We're sharing that, and and it was no different than when, uh, in some ways, when Becca went to cover the reopened Ventura County. Uh, protest a month ago, and, and we got criticism for that. But hey, we this is newsy. We felt this was news, uh, and and ultimately, when we saw the amount of people in the streets, how much it meant to local residents, we felt the protests over this last week were news. And I think you know, again, I think you've been doing a great job, uh, and on all of our staff really of walking that line. You know, that need to be impartial can lead to problems in publication because we don't want it to seem like the acorn is in favor of this issue, which means that we're against this other issue or any newspaper. So you end up maybe putting stuff out there. You maybe you end up putting stuff out there looking for a balance that doesn't exist or that, or just trying to balance something that is very clearly trying to provide, trying to provide balance. Yeah. You almost have to find, you find an extreme opinion because you're, you're, you're trying to find someone who's against this and, you know, you and you so you're going to go to one one area that this person's opinion is, is really not shared by many. And it's and, and we do it. We call it like almost both sides. I mean, that's what we learn. You've got to tell both sides. It's, it's it's a cliche at this point. But I think reporters more and more are learning that sometimes you can just report on this issue uh, and it doesn't always need to have that other voice. Now, we should hear those other voices and, and when there's a time to incorporate them, but sometimes it gets forced in and it, it becomes really problematic. Well, like on that on that note, like the at the TO protest, you saw the video I put out of that guy showed up saying he was being attacked and I, I took the photo. He had the 14 and the 88 on his calves. It's like, I could get his opinion because he's against this, but I'm not going to. He doesn't just just because he's against it doesn't mean he's worth being heard like that kind of thing. But yeah, you're right. It, this is this was an issue that kind of came up this week. Uh, some people noticed it. I don't know how many people did. But uh, the story that I wrote about that T.O. protest, 
was put out Wednesday morning, and it was put out with a hashtag BLM, but also with the hashtag Blue Lives Matter. And a couple people called it out, like, why is this Blue Lives Matter hashtag here? Like, this is a, the wrong thing to be tagging a story about a protest against police violence with. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to call the person out by name, but the person, and I've talked to them, they thought, hey, this is a way to provide balance. If I'm going to hashtag BLM, I need to hashtag Blue Lives Matter. And we, we kind of explained to them, no, those things are completely separate. And, and, and if you do support the police and, and you want it, that's, that's fine. When I say don't support the police, we're just saying this was not the place for it, you know. And, and, you, and Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, they're problematic, you know, because they've co-opted the language that – and by co-opting the original language of Black Lives Matter, it is taking away in some ways. It's minimizing that original cause. Yeah. Show you some audio right now from people I spoke to at these protests discussing exactly that. I think All Lives Matter is a noble cause. No one is saying that all lives don't matter, but right now it's hurting the Black Lives Matter cause because black lives are in danger right now. And if we don't take care of the situation individually, no one will benefit from anything. I try to teach people about microaggressions. Yeah. Um, when you don't address the issue straight on, to me, it's a microaggression. It's saying that I don't really want to be concerned with your issue. I want to dilute it, okay? The fact of the matter is that black people have helped build this country. Whatever happens to black people happens to all people of color in this country, immigrants. And our platforms have, have we have fought for people on all levels and all people of socioeconomic levels benefit when we fight. So we need to, we need to, Really focus on the fact that our black men in particular are being attacked and that black people are being attacked and we need to say it so that we can change the systems. Yeah. We need to be really direct and say it. If yes. we're not, then it's diluting it. Totally. You know, and, it and it's offensive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've heard other people, they put, I think they put that really well. And I, I heard someone this week, a good way I heard of putting, putting it was, if all lives matters, if all lives mattered, then we wouldn't need a Black Lives Matter. You know, the the you know, I've heard a lot of people describe that. And again, it's not saying that you don't support the police. It's not saying that you you know you and you don't doesn't mean you don't disagree with some of the protesters. It's just that in that context to force you know it just it didn't look well. It didn't look good. Let's just say it. And so um, we ultimately we did take it down. I was able to provide uh, you know. Interestingly enough, it was up for several hours. I was buried deep in the paper. I didn't hear from you until later about it. And so I was glad I was able to respond and explain the situation. The person who did it, I've again talked to them. They get it. They apologized. Uh, so I, I don't think it was a big deal, but I, it shows that how tricky sometimes it can, can be when you come from a business that you've been taught both sides. you got to show both sides, represent both sides, uh, and when that becomes a problem. And yeah, I want to, I guess I want to make it clear. We're not discussing this to like pat ourselves on the back, like look at how good the acorn did, but to provide some kind of transparency of everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. It's just that when we do it, it's in the public eye and it's, it's in keeping with the theme of everything that's going on right now, it's important to acknowledge when you make a mistake and grow from it. So I think that's what we're, what we're trying to do here. We definitely discussed bringing this up on the podcast or not, but I think it's, I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, we, I mean, let's, we acknowledge we're, we're two white males talking about this, you know, um, we sometimes, you know, again, we want, we need to learn, we need to understand so much we need, that's why we go to people of color to try to see through their lens, otherwise we'll never really understand it, and that's why I was so proud of, also, hopefully you guys saw, oh my goodness, Eliav Applebaum, our sports editor, did just, just an unbelievable piece, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't want to use all the superlatives, but you just got to go and read it. And again, it was so powerful because he made that clear. Even as a white male, he wanted to write a column. Go to the the the, the African Americans that grew up right here. What is their experience? Because a lot of people don't want to hear that. They think we live in a in a in a you know post racial world. Even here, where we're we're mainly Caucasian, that you know, oh, people of color, they, they they're fine out here. This is not the South. There's no KKK. There's not. There's not Nazis, right. you know. Um, well, that's the joke. Like, oh, we voted for Obama. We're, we're good. Yeah, yeah. But to hear their voices, here was my experience in Calabasas, in Agora, in, I don't, and I don't want to single out all cities. They were sharing experiences throughout our acorn country that really just remind us that, you know, this does still exist. And for people of color, I think what was most heartening to see over the last week was just how much it meant to people that were black or Hispanic to see their cities getting to be a part of this, just to know that, okay, hey, we, we don't feel so alone in this. And that's what really brought me around in our need to cover these to show when I started to see how, how heartening it was to those folks, you know, again, whether or not you agree with the movement and the, the fact of the matter is it, it was having a real impact on people locally. And I think Eliov's column just, you know, he just, he put it such in good perspective. So please, we're going to throw that up in the show notes. I also don't want to miss out. I know we're about to, we're running a bit long, but I also want to shout out Dan Walwich, who wrote our editorial this week. He was uh, really the, you know, the editorial is always a team process. But if, if you read page six, I thought he just also put the perfect words to it and, and what this is all about. And so we'll throw that in the show notes as well. Please read that um, and just coverage all over the county. Hopefully your coverage. Uh, let's put that all in there so you can read it, see it. I think our team did a really good job of, of covering it and, and getting that message out there, or at least explaining it to people that weren't weren't there in person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think we're going to wrap up here. I also just want to give a shout out to my contacts in the community who have been reaching out to me saying there's people on this corner with signs. There's a protest going on here. Like I can't be everywhere at once. None of us can. And as you know, especially with everything that's going on right now. So it like, this is the time it really helps to have community members engaging with us and providing feedback and calling us out when we make mistakes and stuff like that. So, um, thanks to the community. Keep it up. Awesome. Yeah. And I heard I heard the same thing from Mike when Mike was Mike Coons, our photographer, was shooting in Team Valley yesterday. When people would say learning was from the Acorn, they said, come on in, come on in. And we were just we were feeling that love of local news. And then we reminded us what this is, was a big local story. So, folks, thanks for tuning in. This has been Kyle Jory, editor of the Thousand Oaks Acorn. You can catch me if you want to catch uh, some of my snark. Uh, you can find me if you really want to at Kyle B. Jory on Twitter. Uh, this is Ian Bradley. You can find me on Twitter at Ian underscore reports. Everyone's so nice to you on Twitter, Ian. Why is that just? Because I'm cute and snarky <laughs> in a fun way. Unrelated, the most popular tweet I've ever put out was one about my, like, the unending terror of telling someone I love them when I hang up the phone. That thing blew up. <laughs> I went everywhere. Great tweet. Okay, so follow the show on Twitter at branching out pod email us at branching out at the acorn.com if you got feedback if you got story suggestions if you want to be on the show because you think you have something significant to say we'll hear you out let us know about it tune in next week i'm going to be talking to some local business leaders about what we're doing to help small businesses you'll want to check it out definitely all right folks see y'all next week see you peace